Acts chapter 3, we'll read from verses 1 to 6 and then get into the message. And then I've never finished this message before, but I'll probably trim the first part and then get to the second part. And um, the second part being more to the believer and a challenge uh, to the believer. We'll read verses 1 to 6 of Acts chapter 3. And really, just to get a context, what we're going to be looking at, one phrase from the mouth of Peter, and that'll be our message. Let's uh, read now. Uh, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord, your love letter to us and how uh, you haven't left us here questioning. Lord, we have a purpose. Uh, we have a plan. And Lord, you want us part of uh, in that. Lord, not our will, but your will be done here on earth. And Lord, I just pray that we would, as we consider your will this evening, your word, Lord, that we would be in tune, that we would be yielded and submitted uh, to do your will. And just thank you for this church family, Lord, their love for people, the VBS this week, their um, energy and and uh, efforts uh, spiritually and physically going out to reach people. I just thank you for that. And uh, Lord, as we continue that and as this church continues, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, continue to fill them with your power and to uh, just empower them, enable them to do your work uh, here and across the world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> So the title of the message is to have and to give. And now we see from the phrase in verse 6, Peter says, it says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. So it's a matter of having and giving. And really, as I, was, I originally wrote this message out, I didn't consider, but how it came to my thought, and often the, the Lord will do that in your devotion walk. Uh, I purposed a long time ago to get a local church a Bible, publisher Bible that had uh, no references because I was going to create my own reference Bible and, and go to the Word of God and, and let the Word of God speak to me. And it's amazing if you do that. Uh, you'll read a portion here and another portion in your devotions uh, somewhere else and how you'll start connecting verses and how you let God speak to you. And, and in this message, I never had this point down, but really how this, uh, the point here that I have And the theme of this message was a principle that the Apostle Paul wrote down, but it was from the mouth of Jesus. And what was that? He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And here, that's what really, that's what Peter is saying. Such as I have, give I you. And the amazing thing is that we have what this world needs and how that we have the answer for this world. And the Bible says uh, that he... uh, um, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so we have received who? Jesus Christ. But now the more blessed thing to do is to give him out. 
And that's what Jesus was saying. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And the area of receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the more blessed thing now is that we can go out and give Jesus out. And that's what Peter was saying here. You can only give what you have. And in Peter's case, he did not have what the beggar wanted, but he had what the beggar needed. And we have what this world uh, needs. We don't have what this world wants. And this world wants a lot of things to fill the void, the emptiness in their heart. They want that next uh, BMW, that next uh, nice car, uh, that next boat, that next ATV, whatever their toy might be. And uh, it might be that next dollar something. And they want that void to be filled and there's an emptiness. And some go to the bottle, some go to to the drug world. Uh, to fig, fill that emptiness. And so uh, we don't have what, that, what the world wants necessarily, but we do have what this world needs and how selfish we are to hold that back. And uh, I like to encourage people to hand out gospel tracts. Oftentimes that's looked down upon and it gets old and we think nothing's happening, but how that I received a gospel tract and how God stirred my heart originally and worked in my heart and how four months down the road, I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And, and uh, where would I be if that night my boss hesitated to give me that gospel tract like we often do? The Holy Ghost pricks our heart, and we quench the Holy Ghost, and, and we don't <laughs> give out that word of testimony. We don't give out that piece of literature. And so <laughs> I want to encourage us that way. And in the physical realm, how selfish we would be if we had the cure for cancer and we didn't give that out and hand that out. And then we flip that over to the spiritual side and say, we have the answer for the sin sickness of this world. Uh, Not that sin is a sickness, but in comparison with the illustration, how we have the answer for this world within us. And here, (coughs) Peter didn't have what the beggar wanted, but he had what the beggar needed and I experienced it in this, uh, I'm not used to this, uh, with uh, the homeless people and the people on the streets begging. I was, we were just at Superstore or Walmart the other day, and sincerely, an individual, <coughs> he needed uh, help, and it looked very sincere, and I, don't, I didn't know how to gauge it, and I don't like to question it long. It's just, if they need something, then uh, we, we, we gave them whatever we could. He wanted a chicken from the, the, one of those cooked chickens, and so we gave him what we had. And, uh, but it's amazing. You take the time and to help somebody spiritually at that same time. And uh, um, I talked to this individual, and he said he had just done that. So I didn't get a name, but just that week, uh, uh, some lady had given him a pamphlet, and uh, he received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, he told me. And so I encouraged him in... Um, in, uh, in, in finding a church and I tried to find out who this person was and was it from a Baptist church or so on. And I was just excited to hear that this individual had got saved and how that we need to look past the spiritual or those physical things that they might need right there and then. The greatest need in our life is not money, possessions, or even life on earth. Our greatest need is Jesus. This beggar wanted the means for physical nourishment But what he needed was the means for eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter focused on, and he said, silver and gold have I none. He didn't have what he he wanted, but he did have what he needed. And so I have two questions 
Do you have Jesus? And then second of all, does Jesus have you? And the first question is to the lost person, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the first thing you need to do is accept Him because we can't look past the fact that Peter said, such as I have. And also, in that very statement, we can be encouraged as believers because oftentimes we, we come to the house of God and we hear the Word of God preached and uh, maybe we're not right with God sometimes and then we hear the Word and instead of being easily entreated and letting the Word of God do that work in our heart, sometimes we resist it even more and we, we beat ourselves up because we've failed in a certain area of life instead of letting the Word of God do a work. And I would like to encourage you to look at the life of Peter tonight and be encouraged and saying that if God can forgive him, he can forgive me. Uh, the night that I got saved, uh, I repented of trusting in myself as my personal Savior, but I remember in my heart saying, if God can save him, uh, my roommate there sharing the gospel, he can save me. And how we're encouraged, because here's Acts chapter 3, and Peter and John are out, and they're sharing the gospel with an individual, but Acts chapter 2, he preaches the gospel, and thousands of people get saved. But what took place if we back up? Uh, this was the day of Pentecost. If we back up 10 days, that's uh, where we leave off in the book of Acts and get into uh, the book of Luke, sorry, and we're introduced to the book of Acts and how they were supposed to wait 10 days until they were endued with power from on high. And then if we back up uh, another um, 40 days, that's the day that Jesus uh, resurrected. So, and then if we back up another three days, that's the day that Jesus was crucified. But what took place that day? Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ, did he not? And so he denied the Lord Jesus Christ, and now in, on the day of Pentecost, 53 days later, we see him preaching, and thousands get saved. And what took place in between that time was that sweet fellowship with Jesus once again, and how we can be encouraged as believers, because here he said in confidence, such as I have, and of course we could go to the aspect of the security of the believer, though Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he didn't fall from him or uh, all those, I don't know if you hear a lot about that here, but we do have a lot of that Arminianistic thinking and belief system in Winkler, Manitoba, uh, with, uh, with the Mennonite belief system, and how <coughs> they believe you can lose your salvation. And so we would maybe hit that point a lot and encourage people that you can't lose your salvation. And here Peter said, such as I have presently, right here, right now, he said, I have Jesus Christ, and such as I have, give I unto you. So the first question is, do you have Jesus? And how, when Peter told the beggar, such as I have, he was referring to Jesus. He says, I don't have silver and gold, but I do have Jesus. So can you confidently say that you have Jesus, like Peter did, or like the Apostle Paul saying, for I know whom I have believed and, and am persuaded. So he knew who he had believed, but then he says, furthermore, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And being saved is committing the keeping of your soul in the hands of God, in the hands of Jesus, and how that, that is salvation. Here Paul is saying that he was persuaded that he is able to keep, meaning to protect or to garrison about, to, to protect that which I have committed unto him against that day. Second Timothy uh, 112. 
And here in this context, we'll read it later on, it's Peter's response to the crowd and how the emphasis here that Peter preaches, and you'll notice that if you go through the book of Acts, every single time uh, Peter or Paul uh, open their mouth to preach, they always preach the gospel. And it's unique to find that because what is the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15 uh, verses 1 to 4? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's what it always comes down to. Back to the one message that we have, the message of Jesus, uh, Jesus being the one and only way and if that salvation is in a person and it's in what that person did and how, uh, how Peter and Paul, they always preach the gospel. Whenever they preach, they, you would always hear them preach about the death, burial, and resurrection. And that's his answer to this crowd later and how he preaches that Jesus is the one and only way. And so the theme of it is later on, as we'll see, that salvation is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so it's an encouragement for, yes, those that aren't saved, that salvation is, if you're not saved here tonight, that salvation is in one person, and that's Jesus. And there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. But also, as we go out and share the message, that our message isn't um, a general vague belief in God because you'll notice if you go door to door soul winning or witness to people, it's very easy to talk about God. But as soon as you bring Jesus into the picture, that's where the division happens with no matter what denomination you'll speak to. And that is our message, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus made that distinction as well that salvation isn't in a general belief in God. Uh, I grew up, as I mentioned in my testimony, in the old colony Mennonite religious system and how I believed in God. In fact, I believed in the God of the Bible because to me, God was the one who created the heavens and earth. That's who I believed in. And, and in one sense, God has given us all that light, the Bible says, in, in through creation as well as um, through our conscience, that we all have a that light and if we act upon the light that we have, God will give us, give us more light. And how, uh, how I wasn't saved in just believing in God. And Jesus made that distinction. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no man, or no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so he made that distinction. And he says, the way to the heavenly Father is through me. He's the one that came down. He was, he was uh, a God in, uh, that came down 100% man and, and 100% God and, and how he was uh, um, uh, sinless and he was perfect and he came and it, it was going to be through him that we could have salvation. That's John 14.6. And so salvation is not in our good works or church or wanting to do right or baptism or, or praying or trying to obey the Ten Commandments. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. And so to the lost, that's a message to you that you're not saved out of yourself, but to the believer, that's our message that we share with people saying, it's not of yourselves. And I thank those that shared the gospel with me that uh, they worked on me. That, that evening I got saved. God pricked my heart, as you see in the, in the scriptures, that Peter would preach very sharp towards them, saying, ye have crucified him. And that night that I got saved, I was pricked in my heart because God said to me, it's enough. It's not in yourself. 
And you think about all the religious systems that have those gods that they present food before them and how the god can never consume it and can, uh, is, isn't living, it's a dead god. And you, we would say how foolish that is. But I think it, it's even worse with the Mennonite religious system I grew up because it's even more selfish, thinking that I can be saved and, and, and go to heaven through my own merit, through my own way. And here it says, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. Also, it's not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. And 1 Timothy 2.5, Jesus also, or Paul, writes these words and saying how that there's one mediator between God and man. Then it says, uh, between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And so G- Jesus is that only bridge or uh, that go-between or, or that only interceding party that we have. But the problem is that we are all sinners. And then, G- then God says, for the wages of sin is death. So if you're lost here, the problem is that you're a sinner. And then, Jesus, and then God says, for the wages of sin is death. And that's the law God has established, saying that the wages of sin is death. And death simply being a separation. Death is never uh, annihilation. And I would go to bed sometimes in fear of where I would wake up. And I would just think of nothingness. And that way, um, uh, I would think of myself dying. And then I just go into blackness and darkness. There's just nothing. It's not, uh, it's not a blessed thing. If There won't be a heaven, but there won't be a fearful hell either. It's just going to be what I imagine it to be because then I had no responsibility. I had no accountability. And I was free in, in my own thinking after my death. I was going to be free because I, I was afraid. But death is never just, a, uh, it's not annihilation saying that you're going into nothingness. Death is just simply a separation. So the fearful thing is that there's a second death, the Bible says. So it is appointed unto men once to die. After this, the judgment. So we all have to die. We all have to be separated from this earth. But the fearful thing is to be in that second separation, this second death, uh, Revelation 21.8, referring to eternally being separated from God. But the wages of sin is death. And the only person that has ever overcome uh, death, sin, and hell is Jesus Christ. And so that's how narrow our message is, that it's only in Jesus. Because he's the one that defeated sin, death, and hell. And he's the only one that resurrected. And all the other belief systems out there, the trust that they put in their gods, they will only go as far as those gods went. And, and who, whoever they follow, whatever individual they followed, but we'll go past the grave, we'll be resurrected and go to heaven. It's in, the power is in the resurrection. But to the lost person here, Jesus died for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not a matter of, uh, I'm going to, okay, I'll try to live a good life, or I'm going to quit drinking, smoking, quit doing certain sins, and I'll come to church and uh, things are feeling a bit better and I'm not doing what I used to do and, and, and it just feels better now. That's not salvation. And how salvation is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In your state, God wants to come and into your heart and He wants to save you. 
So the invitation to the lost is to come and receive Jesus as their Savior. Are you lost? You need Jesus. And it's a, it's a needful thing. Uh, Jesus said, and he had a sense of urgency, saying, ye must be born again. And so that is for the lost person. And the first question being, do you have Jesus? But then the second question is, does Jesus have you? And that's the important thing for the believer. Yes, we're excited we're saved, we're born again, but now does Jesus have your life? Does he have your complete life? Does he have your trust? Does he have, according to Romans 6, your yieldedness, where we're supposed to yield our bodies as instruments of righteousness? And uh, we see that passage that talks about how beautiful are the feet of those that bring glad tidings and, and that preach the gospel. And But how could a, a preacher's feet be beautiful except through the eyes of God saying, these are beautiful feet because they're yielded instruments of righteousness. And so are we those yielded instruments of righteousness where God can pick up that tool and he can do what he wants with that tool? Romans 12 verses 1 to 2. Romans 12 verses 1 to 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's what we all, deep down inside, that's what we all desire. We want to know the will of God. And I, and I always say this, the, the simplest thing is that the will of God is this right here. It's, it's exactly that. It's His will. Uh, this is His will. And so it's a matter of our life conforming to this. And so if we would go backwards through, verses, uh, through verse 2 to 1, it says that, that we might prove what is that good and perfect and, and accept, uh, the acceptable and perfect will of God and how we all want the will of God, that perfect and acceptable good will of God, and how we can prove it. But then it says, <clears throat> how can we do that? by renewing our mind and being transformed. And so it's a, it's a life of our giving, yielding ourselves to the Lord and, and putting out the garbage in our mind, especially for me. I only got saved when I was 19, and that's a lot of garbage, not growing up in church, that is in my mind, and a lot of garbage has to be put out. And that's, that's how simple renewing our mind is. We, we put out the lies that Satan has planted there, and we take the truth, that's how we renew our mind and how we are then, uh, we're not being conformed to this world, but we're, we're being transformed. But then we backtrack to verse 1 and we looked at how at the end of verse 2, how we want the will of God. But what is the, what is the requirements that we present our bodies a living sacrifice? So does Jesus have you? Have you given yourself, have you presented your body a living sacrifice? Saying here, Lord, here am I, I'll live for you. I will serve for you. And I'm not going to finish. I'll get just as far as I ever do. One more passage, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, and then we'll be done. 2 We'll read from verses 1 to 5, and then I'll explain, then we'll be done. Um, <clears throat> And uh, the context here is giving, but I want to see what these believers really did. 
in their heart. Moreover, brethren, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 5, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we, that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And notice, this, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. That's what God wants. He wants you. And that's how serious it always comes back to that relationship with God, how Peter, uh, he denied the Lord Jesus and then he preached. But what took place was that, that, that walk with God, that devotion with God, that sweet fellowship with God. And here, God's not saying, I don't, uh, it's not a matter of, okay, Lord, I'll give more, I'll do more, and, and I'll, I'll just do more, and I'll, I'll just sacrifice more. But no, he wants that obedient, loving heart and how that they first gave their own selves. That's what God wants. And how Jesus, he boiled down all the commandments and said to love the Lord thy God with all thy mind and all thy strength. And then he said, and thy neighbor as thyself. And that's exactly what they did here. But first gave their own selves to the Lord and then and unto us by the will of God. And so that's what God is looking for. That surrendered life that's going to give himself, give herself to the Lord saying, not my will, but thy will be done. And really, we have no other uh, choice. Well, we do have an, another choice, but the Bible says this is our reasonable service. And, the, and furthermore, the Bible says that we are not our own. We don't have ownership of ourselves. We are bought with the precious blood of Jesus. He has ownership of us. And no, we're not robots. and He's not going to control us with a remote control as some kind of robots. He wants that choice that, that free will of man to love him back and to choose to love him back and to have a walk with him. But he does want us to do his will and how that we are bought with the precious blood of Jesus. We are not our own and we are here to do the will of the Father. So does Jesus have you? But also to the lost person, do you have Jesus? Pastor? Pastor?